This is the Visit the Zoo podcast. Today we hear about the horse and we hear about the future of podcasting. everybody and welcome to another episode of Visit the Zoo and this is podcast episode number 46. This one's going to be a little bit different. I'm going to take the schedule and mix it up a little bit so I hope you bear with me. I'm your host Frederick Fishman and I am the author of the 12 book and 120 animal series of books on Kindle and also in print and audiobooks and also on audible.com as well as a Visit the Zoo DVD and of course this podcast. We have websites related to everything we do here. First of all, our main website is Zoo Animals, that's plural, Zoo Animals dot info zooanimals.info and my newly redesigned author website is Frederick Fishman at spelled F-I-C-H-M-A-N FrederickFishman.com and we have two crowdfunding sites that I hope that you will go to to help us out and the first one is patreon.com and that's spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash visit the zoo And we have a new crowdfunding site at gofundme.com forward slash visit dash the dash zoo dash podcast. We have two merchandise stores as well where we've taken a lot of our artwork and we put it on t-shirts and mugs and a lot of other things. They are on Amazon and Zazzle. And to get to those merch stores, you can just go to the zooanimals.info site. And up at the top right, you'll see two tabs that'll say Zooswear on Amazon and Zooswear on Zazzle. Zooswear is our nameplate for our merchandise. Okay, let's get to business. I'm going to read only one story today because... This one is, um, it, it describes something that's going on in the Netherlands and and it really, it really points out the, the breadth and depth of the stupidity that humans are possible. The stupidity and neglect. And the title of the story is Slaughter of Starving Horses Divides the Netherlands. And this is from NBC News, the television network here. In the United States, NBC News, it was, it was written by Linda Givtash, and it's a fairly recent article. This is only like two days ago from when I recorded this podcast. And the dateline is Lelestad, Netherlands. The slaughter of thousands of starving animals on a man-made nature reserve has triggered fierce debate about whether it should be regarded as a national treasure or an experiment gone wrong. More than half of the wild horses, cattle, and red deer on the 14,800-acre over Vardsplassen didn't survive the winter. Animals within its perimeter must fend for themselves. However, any creatures believed to be suffering are shot by rangers at the site. Harsh winter weather left piles of dead horses littered around the site. Most of the remains were later removed, but the ghoulish sight of hungry animals 
just under an hour's drive from Amsterdam, led some protesters to cut down fences to free them. Others threw food to the visibly weak animals. Overtsplassen is now a center of a lawsuit that aims to prevent repeat of the carnage in the months to come by allowing more human intervention on the untouched land and relocating animals to other sites. I've never seen such skinny horses, recalls Cynthia Danners, who filed a lawsuit with her friend and fellow equestrian Anmeke von Strattenhofter after visiting in February. We saw so many dead animals, it was unbelievable. The relatively new park consists of forest, grassland, and swamp. The Dutch built dikes to drain the area with plans to use it for industrial purposes in the 1960s, but it was never developed and nature was allowed to take over as an example of rewilding. Franz Vierna, an ecologist, had the idea to introduce large grazers to control the density of grasses, reeds, and shrubs that were growing. In 1983, 32 heck cattle, 18 horses, and 40 red deer were brought to the Overstadtplassen. Generations later, thousands of animals lived there. Endangered birds began migrating to the site early on the rewilding process, and the theory was the large grazers would keep the landscape favorable for them while still being allowed to run wild. Joke A. Bilge, oh, that's appropriate, a spokesman for the State Forestry Service, Stotso Bospier, I know I'm butchering these names, so I apologize, said the animals are treated as wild and aren't fed, treated medically to keep population from growing beyond what the land can support. But the grazers are watched by rangers to ensure they don't suffer. When an animal is stuck in the mud, we help it. And if we see in the early winter or summer a deer has broken a leg, the animal is shot. We don't leave it to die naturally. A lot of animals were shot last winter. In March alone, the Park Service reported the deaths of 1,155 large grazers, including 157 horses. The grazer population reached an all-time peak of 5,200 last fall. The total deaths for the season topped 3,000. Around 90% of the grazers were killed by rangers before they succumbed to the severe conditions. The carnage did not come as a big surprise to the Park Service. Bilge said the record number of animals there going into winter meant less food to go, to go around, leaving inhabitants vulnerable. Then came the unfavorable weather. There was a cold snap in March and freezing winds iced over ground. There was one night that was particularly bad for deer, one ranger said. Yesterday, they were in good conditions. They reacted normally. The next day, 20 were dead because it was so cold. Amid the public pressure, a port was commissioned this year on how to manage the grazers in the future and avoid a repeat of another devastating winter. As an aside away from this article, I would suggest they can help out by feeding them and not leaving them to go off on their own. I mean, this is a man-made preserve. We made it. This is not natural. Okay, back to the article. The report released this spring recommended a reset of the land by reducing the number of grazers to allow landscape time to rejuvenate from overgrazing. To prevent the government from authorizing a cull, that means the killing of of animals in large numbers. Danivers and Van Straten, two people who were interviewed for this article, said they are taking legal action. Baz Jongmans, their attorney, filed a lawsuit on July the 25th asking for a temporary ban on the shooting of healthy animals, instead forcing the grazers to be relocated. Han Olaf, an ecology professor at the University of Groningen, 
said it's the perception of horses as pets that is contributing to the outrage. They have a special emotional status for people. Ulf added that the very fact the animal population was able to boom is evidence that the space is suitable for the species living there. Death happens when population growth gets to the land's carrying capacity. Would you put a ban on nature on an island? All right, that's our news story for today. And this is where we deviate a bit. Since most of the article was talking about horses, this is going to be a little bit of a concentration on horses. Normally, we play three animal sounds, but I'm just going to play one long track animal sound, and then I'm going to go right into a description that I pre-recorded. So let's hear our animal sound and the description following thereafter. such as their milk, meat, 
hide, hair, and bone. The numerous breeds come in a wide variety of sizes and weights. Too many to mention here. But the standard is about 58 inches at the shoulder. Their weight can also vary due to breed and nutrition. Their behavior also varies from breed to breed. Their first reaction to threat is to startle and then take off running. But they can also be curious and if trained properly can be domesticated and be ridden by humans. Horses sleep better in groups because those not sleeping will guard. Horses kept alone do not sleep well. They're always on guard themselves. In 2008, it was estimated that there were about 60 million horses worldwide. That is probably a larger number now by a bit. In the U.S. during that same time, it was estimated that their numbers were in about the 10 million range. They eat mostly hay or pasture growth. A 990-pound horse can consume up to 25 pounds of food per day. They also crave and need water, up to 10 to 12 gallons per day. They require continuing hoof care and grooming. If domesticated, they also require vaccinations and they need daily exercise. Man and horse have had a close and constant relationship for thousands of years. And whatever the other means of transportation, entertainment, sport, and products we humans use, that relationship will continue forever as long as there is life on this planet. Let's go now to our last segment. I'm going to do something really completely different from everything you've heard in this segment, or this episode, rather, of Visit the Zoo. This is something different from the whole series. And I'm going to talk about what I'm doing right now, and that is podcasting. And there was a recent article that came out about a week ago about what's going on with podcasting. I think I'll just touch on this once and let you think about it because you're listening because you're not listening to the radio or watching television or consuming some other type of media. And the article that I'm going to read you is called Podcast Taking Growing Role in the Shifting Media Landscape, datelined out of New York. It says that as radio fades in the new world of digital media, podcasting has become hot. In less than 15 years, on-demand podcasts, like this one, have become a key part of the media landscape that is luring advertisers to a market that is worth tens of millions of dollars and growing. According to Edison Research, 124 million Americans listen to audio podcasts, including 73 million on a monthly basis. Podcasts are now getting to the point where they sit alongside other forms of premium media like video and books and television and music, said Matt Lieber, co-founder of Gimlet Media, a major podcast producer. Now, there are reviewers of podcasts. The Financial Times has a person on staff that reviews podcasts. It's almost like if you're not listening to a podcast, you're out of the loop. Podcasts are a natural choice for a generation accustomed to on-demand services like Netflix. Listeners are younger, better educated than the average radio listener, with more women in the mix, creating an important demographic for advertising. Advertisers. Podcast ad revenues doubled in 2017 to 313 million, according to a study by Price Waterhouse Coopers, an accounting firm, with the Interactive Advertising Bureau. 
That is far less than the estimated $14 billion in radio ad revenues for 2016, but podcasting is showing strong growth and likely to double again by 2020, according to the PricewaterhouseReport. A study by New York University researchers found that traditional AM-FM radio is rapidly losing ground to in-demand services, especially among younger audience, with listening by those 13 to 18 down almost 50 percentage points between 2005 and 2016. Podcast sponsorship revenue is growing just like the audience is growing, said Neil Carruth, general manager of Podcast National Public Radio, a key player in podcasting. Finally, podcasting is particularly suited to the smartphone generation and is likely to grow with increased use of connected devices. Right now, we're spending a lot of time thinking about how our work should be presented on connected speakers, in connected cars, and other technologies that are with us but maybe haven't evolved to their final state yet, said NPR's Caruth. People recognize the value of audio and are really embracing it. That's an incredible foundation to build on. We can be the trusted companion for people wherever they are. And I hope that we at Visit the Zoo with this podcast is a trusted companion of yours and will be in the future. That is a wrap for today's episode of the Visit the Zoo podcast number 46. Above all, I want to thank you very much for joining me and please ask you to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast wherever you listen on iTunes or one of the 12 plus podcast directories or even at our home site at our website at Zoo Animals. That's Zoo Animals, plural, dot info. My author website is at frederickfishman, F-I-C-H-M-A-N dot com. Recently overhauled and updated, by the way. And don't forget our two crowdfunding sites at patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash visit the zoo. And our second site is gofundme.com forward slash visit dash the dash zoo dash podcast and don't forget our two merch stores on amazon and zazzle where you can get some great t-shirts and other articles of uh, of apparel with some beautiful images both watercolor and photography and the nameplate of my apparel stores is called zoos wear and you can find those easily by going to zooanimals.info and up at the top right you'll see two tabs one that says zoos wear at amazon and another one that says zoos wear at zazzle have a fantastic week Thank you again for joining me. Bye for now.